Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Got a little bit of a random show today. Fresh Cuts is back. That's right. Me, Greg the Meat Sharp Jones at LB's versus Skybox Sports Picks and a year-long pick that we're actually going to keep score at this year. We got the week zero scores. And then also we got episode three of the Nick Broker Show. Checked in with Nick toward the end of camp. That's brought to you by the Young Alumni Collective. Go check those guys out. A spinoff of the Grove Collective. Uh, if you're a younger alumni wanting some uh, to kind of do your part and uh, get some access to uh, football players, then uh, go check out the Young Alumni Collective. You can DM me. I can get you in touch with whoever you need there. So anyway, we got episode three of the Nick Broker Show as well as Fresh Cuts with uh, LB's Greg as we take on the nerds with the numbers over there at Skybox Sports Pick. So a little bit of a lull before we get the uh, regular season going uh, here for Ole Miss next week. I don't think there are any media ops this week, just kind of a weird time between camp and the regular season. So anyway, it's a good show. Caught up with Nick after uh, after camp ended, and I know he's ready to get to the season as well. So before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by MEMS Insurance. Go check out my friend Matt Mims. He's an insurance, excuse me, independent insurance agent based in Oxford. Gas is expensive right now. Groceries are expensive. Everything's expensive. If you need something insured, you don't need to be losing money there. You need to go check out my friend Matt Mims at Mims Insurance. He is he's an independent insurance agent that is going to shop whatever kind of insurance quote you need, whether it's home, uh, auto, boat. Congrats on your boat. If that's the case, that's pretty sick. Whatever you need insured, he's going to shop around your quote to 10 different insurance agencies, come back with the best deal for you, and that's it. His entire job is to make sure you get the best possible insurance deal. It can be overwhelming. You don't know which agency to go with. You don't know which way to go. You don't know if you're getting the right deal. All you have to do is call Matt Mims at 601-218-7854, and he'll get it taken care of for you. Let him do all the hard work. He's a, a good friend of mine for a long time. Wouldn't send you to someone I don't trust. Go check him out for whatever you need insurance-wise all across the state of Mississippi. He's got a uh, assistant in Vicksburg now. Anywhere in the Magnolia State, he can get you insured. Just tell him you heard about it on the show, and he'll get you taken care of. That's Mims Insurance, Matt Mims at 601-218-7854. That's his personal cell. He's going to pick up the phone. This is uh, You're not going to get some automated system or uh, some guy in another country in a uh, call farm, or whatever they call those things these days. It'll just be Matt himself wanting to help you out. That's what he does. People helping people here. Check him out, Matt Mims, Mims Insurance. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website that is going to crush me and LB's Greg in the pick this year. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Week zero, Skybox is giving out their picks away for free. How about that? Go on the site this week. Check them out at their Twitter. That's Skybox Picks. And they're going to give out their week, week zero picks for free. Why don't you go profit without having to pay for it this week? Then sign up for the Skybox season-long NFL and NCAA football picks. And just make sure this year you don't have the bookie just taking a chunk out of your bank account. You want to be texting him asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to help you do that more consistently than anyone else in the industry and certainly more consistently than your own brain. They're the professionals 
They hit at 60-something, I think 61% last year in uh, college and NFL. They're going to lead you to profit way more consistently than anyone else. You need to check them out. Uh, go to their website. They've got a picks package to fit your price range. You can try it for a day, try it for a month. You can. I would recommend doing the year-long all-sports package. You can do it for a season, sports-centric, all-sports, whatever you want. They're going to have something to pick your fit your price range. Go buy some merch. I'm wearing a Skybox hat right now. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you get 20% off any purchase. Check them out. All right, here is Nick Broker on the end of camp, starting classes for the last time, and uh, what he's looking forward to this season. All right, we now welcome into another edition of the Nick Broker Show. I've got Nick on the other side of me here, just fresh out of fall camp, had his last first day of school yesterday. Well, I guess last first day of undergraduate school yesterday. How you feeling, man? Good. Body feels really good. Um, kind of excited to get school started. Uh, kind of means we're closer to the season, so uh, overall doing pretty good. How is camp? I know for linemen, I know a big thing with that is trying to maintain weight. I know particularly early in your careers, that's something I talked with Rawlings a little bit in the past. Does that get older, or excuse me, does that get easier as you get older and you get more in the weight program and your body matures, or is it still a struggle to keep on weight throughout camp? For me, it's kind of gotten easier as I've gotten older, just because I kind of understand more now, like what I need to do uh, to keep it on and too, I think, like you said, my body is maturing, but I think for me, it's mainly like now I need to like, I know what I need. I know what my body needs and, you know, in order to keep the weight on. I went running about 30 minutes before we recorded this podcast. This might be the dumbest thing ever for someone who spent the last three weeks outside. It feels like an uncharacteristically cool August. I know you guys are going in the mornings, but it was like 81 when I was running. Have you had worse camps? Did you notice that at all? Or is it, has it felt the same? No, I mean, there's, like you said, the weather has been a lot more player friendly, I would say. Now, granted, there was a lot of hot days still, but not as many um, as in years past. So from that standpoint, I felt like we were very fortunate. Like it didn't feel like your traditional like uh, August and or excuse me, August in uh, Oxford. I know, Do you ever have days throughout camp? I get you guys got to get in shape, kind of get used to the elements, but I just look at the – I'd look at Kiffin and be like, you know, those boosters built that really nice-ass practice facility with AC and be a shame if we didn't use it. Um, I mean, nobody's obviously going to say that, yeah. but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure a lot of people think it. And I think that's kind of like the hard part about camp is, like, you do, you do think about it, but at the same end, it's like, okay, well, we're going to put the ball down at 3 o'clock and – a couple of weeks anyway so we might as well get used to it now rather than it's just the seasons here and now we're just scrambling to get ready for it were you ever here when they did turf they went i can't remember through the years they went like natural grass to turf back to natural grass i can't remember when that change happened again but i do know even just from us like walking down on the field during the last nine minutes of games when it's hot outside the temperature difference on one of those turf fields versus natural grass is kind of nuts to me it is so much worse on like a like an artificial turf field Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, we have practice turf fields that we'll use That's a little right. bit. We have, like, practice turf and grass fields, so we'll kind of switch between the two throughout practice. And, like, yeah, like you said, once you go from grass to turf, like, it's a significant, like, I don't know the exact numbers of, like, if there's, like, a percentage or, or like, if it just adds whatever. But, yeah, it's a lot hotter. I've never thought about this. But just from a lineman's perspective, do you have a playing surface preference? Because I know when you go to natural grass and whether it gets wet or whatnot, that can be a little bit – Difficult. I know you guys have different size cleats. Do you have a preference on what type of playing service you play on? Not really to me. In high school, I feel like it was a bigger difference 
because like you know the, the grass fields aren't really as nice so, like when you're yeah. in high school like, oh we want to play on the turf but now once you're in college like the fields are all so nice that it really does like to me at least i don't really see like a big change in like the game or anything like that because you have like people that actually take care of the fields you guys are through camp the offensive line is you've had a lot of different guys seems like it's gotten in the mix um you know some of that seems to be by design i know you had some guys with some minor bumps and bruises What's it been like cohesion-wise? I know there's a little bit of new on the line, but there's also enough returning that it feels like it's a nice mix. How do you feel like things have come together for guys up front? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like you said, I mean, we have a really good blend, and I think the biggest thing is we have a lot of depth and a lot of guys that, like, you you feel really comfortable with playing, and there's a lot of versatility where guys can play multiple positions. So I feel like as a as a whole, you know, we're nowhere near where we want to be. But, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're close and we're getting better every day. So I think we're really excited about it. As you well know, it's really difficult to make it through an entire season with five offensive linemen. I mean, you'd like to have ideally seven, even eight guys that are game ready and that are able to contribute and play just because of the nature of the position and just football in general. It's really hard to make it through one season unscathed. The only time I can remember it happening when since I've been kind of keeping up with Ole Miss in 2012, they had five linemen, and if one of those dudes went down, it had been a real mess, and they made it through the year somehow with five. I feel like that's an anomaly. You guys have had some guys, at least from a public-facing standpoint, what we're able to see in limited practice stuff and media availability really kind of emerge. And one of those being Jaden Williams. He's a younger guy that seems like he's really come on during camp. Seems like he's definitely going to contribute, has some versatility to him and where he can play. You yourself, as we've covered on podcasts before, you played from the right from the shoot, which is pretty rare how have you seen him come along? Have you tried to kind of give him any sort of advice playing that young? What's that kind of been like watching him progress? Yeah, I mean, he's gotten really like a lot better, like really fast. And, you know, that's a big, you know, um, you know, appreciation for him. You know, he's done a really great job and he's worked really hard to be able to do that. And, you know, he listens really well and is very coachable. And I think one thing that's really cool about Jaden is like, you know, if, if an older guy does say something to him, he listens and he tries to, you know, add it to his game and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's done a really great job. For a guy to play immediately, is that just being able to – like he came in huge, I think. I think he came in close to 300. Is that just something simply is like some guys are just kind of freaks and they're built ready? Because that does seem kind of rare. Yeah, I mean, Jaden's really, you know, like kind of a, you know, a prototypical tackle. I mean, he's long, he's super athletic, and he's got really good size, but he's still really lean. So, uh, I mean – He's really got it all. He's got really great feet. How's things been going for you at guard? Um, I know we've I've kind of asked you that each time we've done one of these podcasts, but are you are you enjoying it? What's it kind of been like moving to the inside? I really enjoy it right now. You know, for me, it feels a lot more natural. Um, kind of feels like where I'm supposed to be, if that makes sense. So I'm really excited about the move. Is this easy? I was thinking about this the other day because I was asking someone about like a silent snap count. Is it any easier at guard? to get the snap count than it is at tackle? Because, like, one, it seems like, one, it, obviously, you tackle, you're further outside. But, two, you're also worried as hell about an end catching a jump on you, particularly if it's a pass. Is it easier, like, when y'all go play, say, at LSU this year, and you're probably going silent count the whole time, do you think it'll be a little bit easier to kind of stay in tune with the snap if you're on the inside? I've never really thought about that, honestly. I'd imagine yes. I mean, you're also right next to the ball, so I can kind of just peek out and – my peripheral in my right eye. So uh, I, I guess, yeah, that'd be another added bonus. What are you doing at tackle silent count wise? Are you just listening for the clap? Or are you able to appear inside? What is that actually like on the exterior, particularly on a pass block? 
Yeah, I mean, you just listen for the claps. That's really all you can hear. But again, like you can kind of um, look out of your right eye a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, all you really listen for is the clap. So I was bouncing on a little bit on the offense. The, one of the things that's become abundantly clear throughout camp is you guys are pretty loaded at running back. Um, even a freshman like Quinshawn Judkins, I know I was talking to him a while back for one of the similar NIL things that we did, and he was super impressive. He, he did not strike me as an 18-year-old. He was very put together. Um, like 18-year-old me was just a disaster. I don't know if I could have done an interview like that. I was very impressed with kind of the way he, he was actually the only dude out of all those stories asking if he could edit it himself. I was like, sure, man, go for it. So you got four guys between him, Bullock, Bennett, and Zach Evans. Have you ever, I know you are pretty good there last year, but does it feel like you're the deepest you've ever been since you've been at Ole Miss in the running back room? Yeah, 100%. Isaiah Woolard's had a really good camp as well to add on to that list. So, I mean, when you have like five good running backs, I mean, that, you know, not only is that great for us up front, but it's great for all of them. You know, they can run the ball when they're fresh and have good legs. So, um, you know, I think it's really exciting to see what we have with that room. You know, there's a long way to go and what you guys actually look like offensively. I don't think anyone, you know, from an outside perspective will actually know until you start playing games. But it, with the strength that you have on the offensive line, some newness at quarterback and how good you are in the running back room. It seems like, you know, Kiffin already likes to run the football. You guys led the SEC in yards per game each of the two years that he's been there. Do you guys kind of embrace potentially taking on an identity of really kind of running the football and running over teams? Because I feel like, particularly in the last decade, there haven't been a ton of Ole Miss teams kind of known for that, but you guys certainly have the pieces to do it. Yeah, I think that's something that we take a, a lot of pride in as an offensive line to be able to run the ball and kind of have those you know, numbers like you're speaking about. And I think, you know, because running the ball kind of, it's really just everybody. I mean, you know, the running backs have got to hit the right hole and everything. We've got to block well, and you got to have good perimeter blocking, especially on, you know, your explosive plays. So I think it's something really everybody takes a lot of pride in. I know it's fun to move the football and score points no matter how you do it. And, of course, I mean, if you get a 45-yard pass and they just can't guard you, I imagine that's pretty awesome too. But, can like, when you guys are running over teams and, like, they cannot stop you running, can you sense, like, it being particularly demoralizing on the defense? Because, like, running, like, you know, obviously passing, you're going down the field. But running is just, like, I'm coming at you again and there's really nothing you can do about it. When y'all are kind of rolling, can you sense the defense getting one tired or two frustrated? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I think that's kind of like the, the beauty with the run game is it kind of can set the tone of the game and on both sides. You know, I think our defense really feeds off off of it. You know, they kind of can see the physicality of us and they also get more time to rest on the sideline, too. So I think it's really just a big team element. You know, if you can run the ball and stop the run, it's very important to winning the game. Is there any difference between guard and tackle as far as run blocking? I mean, I know literally position to position, you have different responsibilities, but just technique and stuff. Is there really any difference? Uh, some of the technique stuff's a little bit different. Yeah. For the most part, a lot of it's pretty similar as far as like, you know, the footwork and what we call the footwork and everything like that. But I mean, I think the biggest thing, you know, is obviously the bodies are different too. So, I mean, there are some similarities and some differences, but, uh, like I said, you know, there, there are just a little bit, just, I think it's just more minor things as well with it. You get the opposing view of this. One of the big storylines out of camp, it, and you kind of knew this on paper going in to spring, is that Ole Miss really has like real defensive line depth for the first time since Kiffin's been there. There's always been some pretty good top-end guys from Sam Williams, Cedric Johnson, you know, a couple guys on the interior too, but the depth has been lacking. And it seems like this year they really have where they can roll eight, nine, ten, maybe even mm -hmm. beyond that deep. You are going up against it in practice every day. 
Have you noticed a difference with the amount of guys they can run out there when you're going good on good or whatever? What's that been like? Yeah, it's been huge for them because it kind of like, like, like I was saying with the running backs, you know, when it allows them to be more fresh, it's the same thing with the D line, you know, they can rotate guys in and there's a lot of, you know, really good players. So I think it just helps them. And, you know, especially throughout the course of the game, you know, there's no sense leaving a guy there for 70 snaps when you can play one guy 35 and another guy for 35. So it just allows them to, you know, get more fresh and have better legs throughout the whole game. I mentioned it earlier. You had the last first day of school. What's the class load looking like? Did you get nostalgic about the last first day? I sure as hell did not. I was like, hell yeah, I cannot wait to not take these classes anymore. What was it like for you last first day of school? Yeah. Like you said, I wasn't super disappointed. <laughs> Obviously, there's a little bit of bittersweet. You're like, dang, this is like, you know, one of the last times I'll be in a classroom. But, um, you know, it was, it was fun to be back. I think, you know, there's always kind of like a little itch to go back to school, especially when it's this time of year. And, you know, I, like to me personally, I enjoy going to class. I like meeting new people and kind of walk around campus, you know, kind of being like a college student. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean. Don't really have to go to whole class a whole lot because I'm online for most of it. But yeah. uh, you know, when I do get to go to class, I enjoy it. Yeah, that, I, that, I did like that part of it because, one, you get back into a routine. But honestly, as crazy as it sounds, when football team is good, once you get back to school and you can kind of sense football season's coming, there really is kind of like a buzz around campus that you can sense walking to class every day. Oh, so when we were scheduling this, you had a night class or a late afternoon class. Is that in person or online? And like, what what academic advisor do we need to talk to about that? I hated night class. I had to take like two of them. And I was just like, I, it is dark outside. I didn't love it. What's, is the night class an only option type of thing? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, for me, we, we practice in the mornings. I didn't think so, about that. So, and I have lifts. So, you know, it's kind of tough to, I mean, there's only so many availability. So, like, for me, I kind of had to take it later on in the day. But I really don't mind it, honestly. Really? Yeah. So, I didn't I – didn't, I guess I didn't hate it. It was just, like, I'm, on a Monday or a Tuesday, I remember I took one one time. And, like, you get done with the day, and I'm like, shit, I got to go sit from this from 6.30 to 8 or whatever. But, mine's um, not quite that late. Thank yeah, you. yours is a little earlier. That's fair. Yeah, mine's not like, bad. Like, the actual uh, night class. When you get in those, like, late, late night classes, there's always that one kid in the back of the room with a cup who's trying to play it as low key as possible. And you're like, what is in that thing, pal? Um, yeah. <laughs> so as you guys kind of transition out of camp and into uh used to be game week. Like I remember when I first started college, there's actually only one week that you guys had in between. Now you guys have two weeks of it. One of the things that I don't think people understand is like during camp, it's all football all the time, right? You guys can practice, you can do meetings, you can do film that 20 hour a week rule or whatever the arbitrary number is kicks in once you start class how different is your football life and schedule once the class and everything kicks in in that routine yeah I mean the routine's a lot different like you said I mean I kind of got into a really good habit of you know waking up in the morning making a cup of coffee going to the facility you know getting my ankle state meetings practice shower then I just go back to the offices watch the film by myself and we had more meetings and walkthroughs before I went to bed now it's you know, like I said, we, we're a morning practice team. So that the morning really hasn't changed. You know, we're still, meet, you know, wake up, coffee, meet breakfast, meetings, practice. And then it's like, now once practice ends, that's really all we can do. You know, that's mandatory, you know, as a team or whatever. So now it's a lot, a lot of time management, you know, of class twice a week. So I like to, you know, go home, shower, watch the film by myself, and then just kind of do all my school stuff, maybe come back and watch more film. But, you know, the days are a lot shorter, definitely. 
Do you have a home film set up or are you all watching film in the facility? Like when you do it by yourself? I prefer to watch in the facility, but we all have iPads. So if ever I go home, I can just watch on my iPad. Okay. What's it like been moving? So I, I, there's construction going on at the building and I actually went the other day. So like for my day job, I needed something from athletics there. My company's doing like a sponsorship thing and I worked for athletics for a year. Well, I wanted to go see Kyle Campbell and them. So I just go rolling up into what I thought was the media relations building. And y'all had just, this was Friday. Y'all had just got done with practice. I saw juice and I was like, all right, that's a little bit weird. And then I walked back to what I thought was the media relations side. And like Kevin Bolden walked out and then Kiffin walked by and I was like, the hell is going on? Like, I don't recognize any of the nameplates. Where's Kyle? And then I just walked into a room and like juice and Kiffin were sitting there and I was like, is Kyle here? And he was like, no, I was like, I think I'm in the wrong place. What's that construction been like? Has that affected you guys at all outside of the, I guess, y'all watch film in that new athletics building now? What's that been like? Yeah, so that's where we do all of our film studies now because all the, like the coach's office and all of our meeting rooms are in construction right now. And um, I I think it's like one of those things, like it's like we kind of have to, you know, go through it now, but once it's all built, it's going to be like totally worth it. It's going to be awesome. So uh, it's just kind of part of the part of it. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I walked out of there. I was like, I don't think I was supposed to be walking around in there, but whatever right. <laughs> it happens. But that a part of that too, I, I run around campus each evening and like I noticed the construction. I know some of that's happens like years out, but a lot of that is from the spike because of the success you guys have had in the last couple of years. I mean, the, for, for better or for worse, when the football team's not good, people are not as generous with their money. Do you guys look at that or you personally look at it as kind of a sign of the success you guys have had these last couple of years? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a collective team. I think that's something we really have noticed is like, you know, once we start winning games and everything like that, you know, we have nice things. I mean, if you look at the top end schools, I mean, they all have beautiful facilities. So um i think that you know that's something we've really noticed is that because we've had success you know now we're getting a new locker room new weight room new coaches offices new meeting rooms all those good things i might get sued if i don't ask you a juice question because that seems to come up at every press conference what is it like having a dog at practice every day it's kind of fun i love him he's a really good dog and i think it makes everybody really happy when you see a dog especially someone like juice (laughs) Yeah, they've, it's actually been kind of a sports thing. I know baseball teams have been doing it for a little bit because there's so many games and it can get kind of monotonous and it does kind of break up the monotony of everything. Someone suggested in a press conference the other day of like a punishment, you have to go walk the guy. I don't know if you'd be a proponent of that. That didn't seem like a terrible punishment to me. Um, has that happened yet or has Juice just been chilling on the sideline? Juice just kind of hangs out. Okay. I mean, he's got somebody, I mean, he always has, He's a, he's got a leash and somebody will always kind of be, you know, making sure he's not running out there like while we're practicing or whatever. But I um, mean, he, he, he's a good boy. I mean, he just kind of sits down and watches, but he'll run around a little bit too. What was the first time that like juice came around the facility? Cause like I wasn't as connected to it. Then all of a sudden there's this dog account with 15,000 Twitter followers. I'm like, well, what am I even doing trying out here? Like when did juice come into the fold? How old is he? Do you like, we get a birth certificate on the guy. When did this happen? Juice is a couple months. I can't remember exactly when Coach Kiffin got him. I felt like the first time I saw him in person was like in June, maybe. Okay. Maybe July. I don't know. I, th- I feel like it was June. But, I mean, he's probably been around for, I, I think, you know, Coach Kiffin's him for a few months now, maybe. I got you. I know I've asked you this before. I remember the last time we talked about this. I think you mentioned, like, you were interested in real estate. What are you majoring in? And I know you got, hopefully, a long, healthy football career ahead. But just what would, like – Football aside, what would you kind of like to do career-wise? Yeah, so I'm a general business major and a minor in sports administration. And like you said, I was in the real estate 
program. And so I just kind of broaden it, you know, if, if, if I ended up not wanting to do real estate, I feel like I was kind of stuck with real estate because that's my degree. So I feel like there's more options. And now I'm kind of all over the place with, you know, real estate and um, really all of them at. Yeah. Can you find me a house? Could that be your first order of business? I, it took me forever to find it. I finally got a place, but uh, the market in Oxford is nuts right now. Can I just hire you oh, right yeah. now? If football can't okay. take up that much time. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing. All right. I'll have my people get in touch with your people. We'll get that. Uh, we'll get that worked out as Absolutely. you, uh, as you kind of enter your final year, I, I know like, you don't really have time to get like nostalgic about a lot of stuff, but like, do you kind of, will you kind of take a moment to relish everything a little bit longer this time? Like your last first home game and all that. Like, have you thought about what this last ride is going to be? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's going to be really emotional, especially when you think about it, you know, like doing things like the Grove one last time and even just being able to travel with the guys one last time. I mean, uh, it's going to be really wild. It's crazy to think it's the last one, you know, it's kind of flown by. I was about to ask if you thought it's flown by. I know like everyone says that, but I imagine like if you were a guy that came in and finally got your shot as a junior or a senior, it would probably seem like it went a little quicker. But like if it's flown by at the same time, how long ago does that August day in Memphis feel to you? Or does it feel like yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we played the game like a few days ago. Really? To me. I mean, like it, it, it's weird because like even in 2019, it always felt like we just played in Memphis, but there was times I was like, dang, we played Memphis like – we forgot about that, you know, but um, to me, it feels like we were just there. I, I was talking to Ryan Buchanan about this the other night. There's probably a different look. I know each year you guys kind of want to be good and, you know, you're always optimistic. But is there a different sense in camp and in practice when you know you're good? Like you guys are coming off a 10 win season. You got a ton of talent on the roster. Is there a different sense versus like 19 where you had a bunch of young guys and it was going to be really interesting, but you probably knew there were going to be a little bit of struggles. Can you kind of sense the difference, even if no one's really talking about it? Yeah, I think for us, you know, we have high expectations of our team. And um, I think that comes with, you know, we were successful last year and we feel like we're even better this year. So I think that's just kind of part of it. What's the coaching, what's it been like coaching staff wise? There was a decent bit of turnover and I feel like, with a lot of the portal additions from a player personnel side of it, some of the newness on, you know, the coaching staff side has been a little bit overlooked. I know you're no stranger to that, right? You were here during a full-on coaching staff change, but you guys do win 10 games last year. You got a little bit of a different coaching staff. What's it been like, I guess, from your vantage point, you know, Coach Weiss, everyone else, what's it like kind of having a new coaching staff under Kiffin? Yeah, I think we all really enjoy it. I mean, we've you know, we really enjoyed our last staff, but, you know, same thing goes with this staff, you know, we get to learn from them as well. So, you know, I think, you know, for us, everything's gone really smoothly with how everything's gone. What's the, is there any difference from like, I know you're basically like you deal more with Thornton, but just from like a, how practice goes standpoint, is there any difference when you change coordinators, like from Lebby to Weiss, like, are there little things different? What's that kind of like? Cause I know Kiffin has a hand in the offense, but I'm just curious if, like any small things are different when you change coordinators like that. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously subtle tweaks within the offense. Um, as far as practice goes, I mean, coach Kiffin, you know, running the, the like the practice and everything. So practice hasn't really changed, but um, I think there's a couple of slight tweaks within the offense, but uh, overall, I mean, the transition has been really, you know, gone really well. What's it like been getting to know Charlie? Because I did a story on him back when he first got hired and, 
I talked to a couple guys where when he was a kid at his dad's program, the Notre Dame facility had some pretty wild stories about like his football acumen at 12 years old. And he also apparently had an insane memory Has that. Have you noticed any of that at all? I know he's a grown man now, but like, apparently he's like this like prodigy from like an XO standpoint. Can you tell kind of how smart his football acumen is? Yeah, he's brilliant. Like you said, okay. like the memory thing is like very true. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, there's this the one one guy told this story. I forget I forget his name now, but he was a uh, he was a offensive line coach when Weiss was the OC at Florida, and they you like Weiss would run a playback and like what's wrong here? Nobody would answer it, and then he would just snap and point it like a seventeen year old kid, and the guy would just rattle it off, and everyone was like, "Who the hell is this kid?" That is. That's pretty wild. Is it fun? Is it cool playing for a younger coach like that? Cause it's kind of crazy. He's only like 28 years old. I know you've kind of dealt with some older coaches. What's it like kind of having a younger guy like that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, you kind of get the experience, both both of it now, you know, having a lot of different guys in, but you know, I've really enjoyed being with coach Watts, like I said, and he, you know, he's fun to work with, you know, he kind of brings that youngness and that energy and everything. When you look at, we talked about this last time about just kind of going game to game and week to week, but before you enter the season, I know y'all don't necessarily have time to think about this on a week to week basis, but you guys do have a couple of games against non-power five schools. Then you go Georgia Tech, Kentucky's the tough one. But my point being that second half of the schedule is kind of unique because you just go the West. And I know you're trying to get better each week, but do y'all think about that at all? It seems like with a lot of new on this team, you guys do have a little bit of time and a little bit of leeway to work out some kinks before that schedule really tick, thickens up on the back half. Do y'all think about that at all, or is it just kind of a week-to-week deal? Yeah, I mean, obviously you do when you look at the schedule, but, I mean, it's still week-to-week. I mean, we have a lot of good teams coming in early and a lot of teams that we're going to get their, you know, they're going to give us their best shot, and we have to be really prepared to play all those games still. How badly or like, how slowly are these last like nine, 10 days going to drag by? You're out of camp, you got school, but you don't, you know, you got 10 more days to a game. I imagine that anticipation can make things go by pretty slowly. Yeah, a little bit. And at the same time, it flies by, but the days itself sometimes feel like it's just dragging on and on. How's the golf game since this whole football thing started cranking back up? Are you still getting out to the range? What's that been looking like? I don't know. I think. Last time I played golf was a few weeks back before camp, so ain't no telling how I'm doing right now. Is that just we're not picking up a club till spring type of thing? Like, is it is or can you maybe sneak out by week? What uh, are you dusting off the sticks at all during the uh, fall and winter? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'll try to play. Like maybe on a Sunday, the day after the game, I might try to get out there. Um, but right now, like during camp, it's impossible. So yeah, I imagine uh, that would be next to impossible. Um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, that would suck if he's just like, sorry, coach, uh, you know, I'm late for this meeting. There's a group on 18 that just turned it into a five-hour round. I don't think that'd be a great look. Yeah, I want to be a great look. Last thing I got for you, and I'd be remiss if, you know, you got the quarterback battle going on. I know that no one's been announced as a starter yet, but one of the things I find fascinating about it is they're both younger guys, and you, they're playing behind a veteran offensive line. There's a lot of veteran – there are a lot of older guys around it. What's that dynamic kind of been, been like? you know, competition aside, just both of those guys being kind of 19 year old kids still trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's been really cool because they've both matured a lot and they've both gotten a lot better and they make the, they make each other better and they kind of feed off each other and they help each other. So from my vantage point, seeing that, you know, it's been really cool to see. One thing you're most excited about this year. Um, Can we get a guard eligible? Could you score a touchdown? I guess we could try that, yeah. I don't know the rules on that. 
I don't imagine even, I, you got the tackle oh, yeah. eligible. They could throw yeah, you. Yeah, tackle eligible. I know to go. I don't. I don't know how the guard one works. Honestly, I'd love to. I've been trying to. I've been a big advocate for it. I mean, you're a basketball player. Like you, you got pretty good hands. You you shouldn't give up on advocating for it until the last snap has been played because I think that could work. Do you have a celebration? So. What would you do? College is kind of hard because you can't really celebrate too That's much. True. So you kind of have to wait till the sideline to do something good. I think. Do you get flagged for dunking through the goalpost? I can't remember what's allowed and what's not mm. allowed. Okay. You can't even spike it. Yeah, you can't really celebrate a whole lot in college. Oh, that's brutal. If you score a touchdown, I think y'all should eat the flag and you should throw that thing down. Just a thought. Yeah, I think I should just dunk it, especially if we're, you know, winning. So. He is Nick Broker. I appreciate your time as always, my man. This is always a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll do another one of these soon. Best of luck to you in the next couple of weeks, and we'll chat again soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right, that was Nick Broker. Appreciate his time. As always, I've enjoyed doing the Nick Broker Show. Before we get to LB's, Greg, wanted to take her a minute to remind you this podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P. BetterHelp is an online therapy service that offers video, phone, and even live chat only. That way, if you don't want to have to show your face or sit face-to-face with someone you don't have to. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life without ever taking it to the shop? No oil changes. You do the same thing. Routine maintenance is an essential part of keeping your car running. It's no different with your brain. You need regular maintenance on it. Therapy is a proven method to do that. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language, taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp online therapy. Again, you can go talk to someone either face-to-face, you can do it you know, uh, audio only, you can do it on the phone, you don't really have to go on camera if you don't want to. It's so much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with someone with a therapist within 48 hours. Check them out, betterhelp.com. Use the promo code MPW for 10% off. Before we get to LB's Greg, he's going to advertise himself, but I do want to remind you if you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, that's rippyrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week, plus discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. You spend 25 bucks and you get one hell of a dinner. That's a hell of a way to kick off week zero to football season. Throw something on the grill, grab something to drink, and uh, enjoy the games. You need to check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Greg's going to tell you what they got at the store coming up in a minute. There is no better advertisement than Greg the Meat Sharp himself. Here is our Week Zero Picks with Skybox Sports. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. It is our fourth year of Fresh Cuts. Whatever that last year at Super Talk was, we were just starting to get to know each other. You were sponsoring the pod. I was like, why don't we do some picks? It sounds like you like gambling. Let's just see how this goes. And uh, there the Meat Sharp was born as you hit it. Something absurd like 63% for the year and. Now here we are. Another year is upon us. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. You know, it's all like I said, time flies when you're having fun. You know, four years, that's pretty solid. Yeah, it really is. It it has been a ton of fun. It's crazy. We've done four years of this. Uh when I first started, I didn't even really want to start a podcast. When I was at Super Talk, they're like, hey pal, you gotta start one. So I was like, all right. So I wouldn't say I didn't try, but I honest to God didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'd honestly be interested to go back and listen to some of those first year fresh cut episodes and everything else we were doing because, uh, I mean, it is pod still rough around the edges, but I can't only imagine what it was uh, back then. 
But uh, this year, we're turning over a new leaf. We are keeping score the entire year. It's going to be me versus you versus Skybox. So you and I aren't on a team, but it's the two average smucks against the uh, professional handicapping system here. So this is Fresh Cut, sponsored by both LBs and Skybox. How are you feeling this year? Are we going like 80%? How's this going to go? Man, you know, I, I'll take 75 and, uh, you know, just uh, um, just uh, talk, you know, give a bunch of random picks and go 75. That'd be great. Yeah, I love that. I'll settle for 75. We've got uh, – this is kind of our uh, warm-up week, I'd say. It still counts on the record, but it's week zero in college football. So, obviously, we've uh, we've only got a handful of games. Uh, the slate I picked and sent to Skybox uh, was honestly pretty slim. Uh, that will slim in comparison to what we'll do the rest of the year. But uh, it was actually a stretch for week one. We're going to do some games that we will probably never do again. But I guess that's the fun of week zero. What I don't understand about week zero is, is if you're going to have it and we're going to have this thing, why is it crappy games? I thought the whole point of like, oh, we got this little teaser is like maybe you get four or five good games. Like why is it turned into a bunch of crappy ones? It doesn't really make a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the whole merge of the Big Ten and Big Pac-12 and everything, and, like, I think it would be awesome to get sign up some of those matchups together, like, first week off the get. Kind of like the Chick-fil-A kickoff, you know, where it was, like, ACC versus SEC. You know, why not do something like that and just try to just roll the dice and get, you know, as many viewers on, you know, the first opening game and the first opening week. I'm with you. I, I don't really get it. Now, that sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of northwestern Nebraska. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of Vanderbilt, Hawaii. This is not a complaint. I'm glad we have football a week early. Just from a marketing perspective and a television perspective, I guess TV contracts aren't really as interested in it because they're going to kind of make their hay throughout the season anyway. I just don't understand why there's not like a marquee one. But maybe that's part of it. Maybe, you know, I, I can't imagine any coach wants to start a week earlier. So maybe it's just you know, exposure for the Van, for the Vanderbilt and Northwestern types. Um, you know, if you get Syracuse playing on week zero, you'd really have a journalism school circle jerk on our hands, but that's neither here nor there. Um, we've got six, seven games to get to. Skybox, I've got their picks. I have not looked at their picks. They will not influence me. I'm trying to beat them anyway. But before we uh, make them, what's happening at the store? Um, got the newsletter cranked back up last week. Going to send out another one uh, this evening. Hopefully, what's happening as we kind of hit football season? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm um, trying to weasel my way out of town this weekend. It's kind of like the last weekend before football starts. So I'm um, getting out of town this weekend, so I'm stocking up the store. Got plenty of fish. You know, everything uh, – it's kind of like Groundhog Day around here. It's kind of weird, you know. It's just almost the same thing happens on Monday and the same thing happens on Thursday. Our truck comes in and – you know, we process everything and get everything taken care of and try to, you know, um, you know have everything stocked ready to go. I think um, 2,100 girls uh, rushed this year, so I can only imagine what the freshman class is going to be like on top of uh, the students already here. So I'm expecting it should be a really good football weekend, you know, a football year. And, uh, you know, it always helps whenever uh, – Ole Miss wins the national championship in baseball, and, you know, you have Lane Kiffin coaching. So, uh, you know, good times in Oxford right now. Yeah, it really is, and it's a good point you make. I'm sure the listeners are tired of hearing my uh, complaints about trying to find a place to live. I did finally do that. We're getting moved in Sunday. But with, you know, between just the market in general and Oxford from a buying perspective, in addition to kind of the amount of students they let in in this freshman class, these freshman enrollment numbers are nuts. One, that made it hard to find a place to live – 
But two, that little, uh, what do they call it, the Rebel Run? They let all the freshmen run across the field before the first game. Is that going to bleed into the first quarter? How long is that going to take? I mean, who knows, man. But, I mean, you know, that's good because uh, I think I was looking at the numbers. Uh, 25% uh, of Mississippi, um, you know, students are in, in from Mississippi. That's, so that's always good. And, you know, man, I've traveled around. And I've been to Maryland. I've been to Lexington. I've been to – going to Texas this weekend, been to Florida, and it just seems like, you know, man, Oxford's just such a unique place. And uh, every time I seem like I get out of town, um, I'm, I'm at another place for two days. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to get back to Oxford. So, you know, just like I said, Oxford has that unique feel. So it's hard, hard to get away. I enjoy the out-of-state piece of it as well. I enjoy going to college with the people from lots of different parts of the Southeast and the country as well. And just kind of meeting different people that, you know, didn't grow up in Mississippi. Now there's a separate conversation to be had about how Ole Miss attacks in terms of recruitment in state students as a compared to Mississippi state. But I think there's room for both to some degree, but as far as the rebel runs concerned, maybe they could make it quicker by putting half of them on one side, half of them on the other, and just have them run at each other. I mean, not necessarily a fight, but you know, most people still standing wins. You could get creative with it. Or they could do something like the uh, the opening of the Olympics, you know, do like a weird, uh, like a cool ceremony, you know, to where the red and the white and the powder and the blue, you know, run in, in you know, in strips where it makes it real, looks really cool. I don't know. Maybe do like a snake game. Oh, I like that. I uh, I never actually all got the to- reds go first, all the white, all the whites go next, and then all the blues go next. I like that. I uh, I never actually did the rubble run. Uh, shithead 18-year-old me, I think, was too cool for school and skipped it, if I remember correctly. I think there's maybe like a sobriety policy that we weren't going to chance anyway. I don't know. Poor decisions were made back then. Um, but I guess I turned out okay as a part-time podcaster. Um, what's the kind of the football season move? So, like, kind of how, how do you market football season from, like, a grilling perspective? Because – You've got the no grills in the grove thing. People get around that by putting their tents on the edge and technically putting the grill in the street. I've seen that move pulled a few times. What's kind of the pitch during football season? Yeah, I mean, you know, so honestly, uh, I, I wish that I could tackle the, you know, the catering and the grove and everything. We could offer sausage and cheese plates. But, you know, man, I got to pick and choose my battles. So what we try to do is we try to cater to these people coming in that have condos, that, you know, know the drill already and, you know, they come in on Thursday, get their, uh, you know, their groceries and, you know, get everything that they need and then go to the square and, uh, after hours. So that's what I recommend, you know, uh, me personally. Uh, but I've got some friends from Kentucky and he told me, he's like, hey, I'm coming to the Ole Miss game. And I go, well, where are you staying? He goes, uh, you know, I hadn't figured that out yet. And I was like, Good luck. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of very important there, Colston. So, uh we're we're uh we, we've got a bunch of random uh horse Kentucky uh horsemen from Kentucky coming down and uh I'm pretty sure that uh they'll find somebody at the library to crash with. I uh I'm glad you went there because that's actually so nowadays I guess now that I'm a you know an ancient 27 instead of in college I prefer on like particularly big game weekends on Fridays and Saturdays too depending on what time the game is is like grilling out at someone's condo or house or whatever as opposed to the square on these huge weekends, the square becomes such a zoo that the, I don't know, the days of like a $40, $60 cover at library to go stand one in one out, you know, chest to chest with a bunch of people, not be able to get a drink, not be able to hear anything. 
I just don't have that in the arsenal anymore. I'm not acting like I'm better at anybody. I did it back in the day. For a guy like me, it's not really a chest-to-chest thing. It's more like a nipple-to-eye level type thing, which just makes it even tougher. I just don't have that in me. I'd much prefer to kind of grill out at somebody's house, watch whatever Friday night game's on. And then, you know, if you can find the right spot and it's not overly crowded, if you can sneak up on, like, the Blu-ray balcony, then maybe go out. But the uh, the crowds get me every time. I just don't have that left in me anymore. Well, you need to make sure you go to the library and get your uh, library card for $100. Uh, I think it's Monday. This Monday? Oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll, we'll get you a library card. I got I, I got a couple connections, so I can get you taken care of. We'll get you a library card. But, no, yeah, man, I, it's crazy. Uh, one of the first weekends I've lived in – when I lived in Oxford, I literally saw, like, like four kids walk up with a $100 bill, and they walked in at, like, 10 45 and the bar was closing at 11 45 and they just literally you know um i just I, it was just it's just weird but yes i mean i prefer going to the library you know when the sun is up um maybe during the game yeah. but um you know i just um I, I, you know at happy hour at like three o'clock on a monday uh that's right in our wheelhouse yeah, so I mean, I prefer I prefer that route. But if the sun's down and it's a Friday or a Saturday, and I'm and Greg Jones is at the library, there's uh, it, it, there might be. I mean, it's probably trouble. I actually had a lifetime library card for a hot second. We let Desler's nephew into our fraternity. I don't even know the kid's name. He literally became known as Library Kids, and I think that was part of the hook. It's like, hey, this kid gets in, you all get library cards printed. I had it for like six months. I wasn't 21 yet, so it wasn't of the same value that people covet those things now. And then uh, I would just leave it at I had quite the weekend in New Orleans and lost it, and it probably ended up being one of the more regrettable mistakes I had. There were rumors of trying to use it as a credit card at Cafe Dumont. I don't really know what happened to it. All I know that it's gone, and I was kicking myself about a year later when I turned 21. But yeah, be that as I it agree. Could, I'd have to invest in one. There's a lot of things that have been lost in, in New Orleans, and there's a lot of things that have been lost in uh, Oxford. So, uh, you know, there's uh, two and two that go in between each other's. Well, just next weekend, everybody will be back in the mix again. Oxford will be vibrant. I can't wait. And we'll have a full slate of games next week. But, hey, again, this is a nice little palate cleanser, even if the games that aren't that great. I'm not complaining. I was just pointing out the marketing aspect of it earlier. You ready to get into these picks? I think we got, like, uh, seven games. Yeah, I Somewhere think I got a lucky coin. I think I'm going to trust the coin on this uh, first week. And we will uh, – I like when I say this is a warm-up, what I mean by that is I have done zero research into any of this and any of these teams. Give me like a week. We'll kind of yeah, get – I, I don't even know who's playing. So, yeah, I'm just – I'm swinging from the, uh, from the hip right now. I was kind of in the same boat. I had to send the Skybox guys a list of games so they could send it to me back. And I was like, honestly, God, I know Vanderbilt's playing Hawaii outside of that. I don't really know what's going on here. Um, we're going to kick it yeah. off at, I believe, 1130 in the morning. We get Nebraska hosting Northwestern. It is the Nebraska Cornhuskers minus 13 and a half. Without knowing a whole hell of a lot about either club, I know that Scott Frost is in under a ton of pressure to win. They lost a ton of close games last year. There was a joke made about how they were like the greatest four and eight team in the country. There's actually some truth to that. Nebraska was not a bad team by the end of the year. Uh, they just couldn't figure out how to close out games. I have read that Northwestern is going to be very, very bad. 13 and a half seems like a lot of points for week one. What do you got here? Um, I think I'm going to go with North uh, – for no, I'm not going to go with Northwestern. I'm going to go with Nebraska. I mean, surely, like I said, you were saying the hot seat might be pretty hot. But, you know, this is a match made in heaven. Everybody thinks that – I mean, every Nebraska fan was 
hoping that, you know, with, uh, with the success that he had at Central Florida, he would automatically bring success to uh, Nebraska. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't work like that. And you kind of look at the two situations, you know, Scott Frost goes to Nebraska and, you know, he's still kind of in a work in progress in it. And then Lane Kiffin goes to Ole Miss and, you know, he's already winning 10, 10, 12 win seasons. So, um, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, hopefully I think he's got it under control. I just think, uh, think too many points on the board. I'm just going to go with straight chalk on this one. Let's go to Nebraska. All right, so you're going Nebraska. I was kind of leaning that way, but I'm actually going to go with the nerds for literally no other reason that this – like, this screams that I'll turn this on in the second quarter if I bet Nebraska or whatever, and it's like, you know, 7-3 Northwestern, no one's moved the ball, and you're like, how are these nerds in this game? This is probably a terrible pick, but what the hell do I know? I'm just going to go with the nerds. I'm going to go with Northwestern, uh, two, two cool-looking N logos. Um, that's about all I got for this game. I'll just take the points. What I will say about the Scott Frost thing, he's had one winning season as a head coach, and it was the 13-0 year at UCF. His other years, his first year at UCF, he went 6-7, and seven, and then at Nebraska he's gone 4-8, and 5-7, and 3-5, and 3-9. and nine. So maybe that was two years I was thinking of about them being the best 4-8 and eight or whatever it was in the country, surely not last year. Point being, that's a weird, weird record. His overall record as a head coach is 34-36 and 36 with a – with a 13 and a season mixed in there's definitely pressure on him this year yours is the probably the smarter play but i'm gonna go with the nerds Our yeah friends, I, I mean i can see it like being like a 21 to 3 game forever and then somehow you check it and it's 21 to 10 and that's how it ends you know so i can see it something being like that but yeah i agree with you on the scott frost deal i mean man you know um everybody just assumed he was just going to be an automatic good coach and it was a slam dunk hire because he went to Nebraska, yada, yada, yada. But sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Yeah, 21-3 Nebraska all game, and then some Nebraska fullback like three months removed from like a Goldman Sachs internship in New York just punches one in that doesn't make any sense. And then it's like, congrats, you can rip up that ticket. We'll see. The uh, Skybox guys are going with the nerds as well. They're actually going with Northwestern. They normally give me what line they got it at. I'm assuming around that 13 and a half neighborhood. I'll ask them to include that next week because they they put their picks in early. Um, and sometimes they have a little bit different lines than we have. But they're on Northwestern, whatever you want to make of that. Keeping it moving here. I know we've done a ton of research on this game. We've got Florida Atlantic and Charlotte. I believe this game is in Boca Raton. It is Florida Atlantic minus seven and a half. What's up? What do you got here? Oh. Um... Yeah, the Charlottes, the same team that are they're the Claritans. Are they Charlatans or whatever? What are they called? They're like the 49ers, aren't they? Oh, that's Charlotte. Yes. Okay. I, I got mixed up with Coastal Carolina. Yeah, the Chanticleers. Golly, man. I, I used to be so good at the mascots. Now I'm slipping. I guess that's what happens with the age. Um man, um I, I'll go I'll go uh um uh, with the home team. I'm I'm gonna go straight favorites. I'm gonna go straight favorites week uh Week one, see how uh, see how bad I turn out. I just looked up Will Healy's bio. You know, there's some Will Healy buzz um, with Ole Miss kind of in their last coach, two coaching cycles. His headshot on the Charlotte website looks like a fraternity composite, except he's the president because he's got on a real suit and a pocket square. He does not look a day older than 21. He Honestly, and I have no room to talk, but, I mean, this guy could be a pledge. His – so the hot – Whenever you click on those team sites, you know you get like the background photos on top of the headshot. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the rotating list of background photos. One of his background photos is him just posted up in a lounge chair by the pool. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's flashing through right now. It's two coaching photos, and then boom, our guy Will Healy just hanging out by the pool. For that reason only, I'm going with yeah. Charlotte. Like, I, I don't know anything I mean, about them. Yeah, I mean – I, can you imagine that guy uh, almost being the coach of Ole Miss? He would – I don't know if he'd win, but he would He would embed himself in the culture, would put it that way, just from sheer looks of it. I don't know anything about Will Healy, but, like, you know, that guy could speak at, like, SAE second round and no one would bat an eye. Um, there's yeah, someone behind him like, in this uh, photo with some weird swim trunks. I wonder what's going on. It looks like a pool house. Looks like the guy's hunched over. What's what's going on back there? Anyway, yeah, check I mean, it out. Well, what's, going, what's going on in Charlotte? That yeah, what's going on in Charlotte that we're missing? Do I need to? <laughs> I need to plan a trip to Charlotte. <laughs> a lot of energy with Will Healy. Whatever you want to read into that. Anyway, I guess I'll go Charlotte. I was gonna go uh, FAU, and then I saw the pool photo. Um, Skybox, where are they? On this? Oh, they're on Charlotte as well. Skybox clearly factored in the pool photo into their algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> somehow skybox and i have ended up on the same side on both of these so we're going charlotte you're going fau who the hell knows this game is at 3 p.m no excuse me this is a 6 p.m kickoff for any of those wondering keeping it moving down the line we're gonna go wyoming illinois this is a 3 p.m kickoff it is illinois in champaign minus 13 against the wyoming cowboys uh, who's the coach at Illinois now? Didn't they get rid of Lovey? Yeah, but they got uh, uh, old Bert, Brett Belima, Belima, excuse me. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm gonna go the other side. This is my first. <laughs> this is uh, this has got to be my underdog play of the week. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Wyoming and, and the points here. Okay, we've got so. First year, he goes 5-7 and seven and 4-5 and five in the Big Ten. Actually, way more respectable than I thought and I remember. They were in Week 0 last year and played Northwestern. Northwestern just must be permanently a Week 0 team. And Illinois actually won as an underdog. How I remember that, I don't know. I remember watching that game um, at a bar in Fort Worth with uh, MC, uh, maybe because it was literally the only thing on. So they, they, they covered last year. I'm going to go with Wyoming as well. I'm just going to keep it on the underdog train. 13 seems like a lot. This feels like a real rock fight. We're going to go Wyoming as well on this one. Skybox is going Wyoming as well. How about that? Too many points. Wyoming well, nice. plus 365. Uh, didn't Illinois like line up with like almost look like a punt formation on, on an offensive play last year or something like that? That would not shock me, and if it were 11 fullbacks and a tight end with Burt coaching, that wouldn't stun me either. I don't remember said play, but it, 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 I believe it. I just remember, like, I remember, like, clicking on Twitter, and uh, it was, like, Big Ten football, and it was literally, like, uh, two extra tight ends. Uh, you know, like, it was just – I'll have to look it up, but for some strange reason, like and, – and that was just something that Brett Meal would pull probably. We got a 9 o'clock that's not actually the late game, not by 30 minutes. Um, oh, did I say that Skybox is going Wyoming too? Did I say that already? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, cool. I'm making sure I didn't miss their picks. I'm bad to do that throughout the season on Fresh Cuts. So, all you listeners out there, all three of us are on one pick. That means it's a guaranteed five-star lock. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely <laughs> nothing could go wrong. We're going to go – we got a lot of late kickoffs. There's going to be a lot of late-night football. we got an 8 p.m. kickoff, I believe, between UTEP and North Texas. This website I'm on is Pacific Time, so this is just not computing well in my brain. I believe this is 8 p.m. Um, you got UTEP minus one. It appears this game is in El Paso against the North Texas Mean Green. I'm gonna go with the Mean Green here. Um, I don't know why. It just seems like, um, you know, I'm gonna go with the no, uh, the mascot with the no S angle. I like that one. I like the Mean Green. It's a cool mascot. North Texas know nothing about them. They've been a better program than UTEP's been over the last decade. Uh, here, I've got some inside knowledge for you. Last year, I was covering high school football for the Dallas Morning News. I believe I had Odessa, Permian, and Irving. So, actually, the Friday Night Lights team is playing in Irving. I was covering Irving. One of the, like, former big shots that played at Irving way back in the day was in the press box. His brother was actually the defensive coordinator at North Texas. And I overheard him tell – this guy was old enough to be a granddad and was telling it to an even older guy, so I'm assuming that was his dad. I don't really know how that worked. I didn't ask for birth certificates. But he said, next year is North Texas's year. It's a transition year this year. No idea what that uh, means. I'm pretty sure. Wow. I heard so, I, so we're going I, mean I think I might. I, I, I think I might just load up on North Texas every week this year. That just seems like such information that makes me, you know, really want to start, you know, just throwing some money down on some North Texas this year. Yeah, that, 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 that's the kind of inside info that you really only get on this podcast. Um, his other claim to fame was he was a college player at Louisiana Tech, played, I think, in the 60s, early, uh, late, early 60s, mid 60s, and he actually played at the same time Terry Bradshaw was at La Tech. So clearly, this guy knows football. I don't know who he is. Um, I don't know his name. I guess you could look up the North Texas defensive coordinator, assuming he was not fired last year and make the connection. <laughs> but uh, our guys got inside info, and maybe he's on to something because our friends at Skybox, the professionals, are on North Texas, Texas as well. So the last two picks, we've gone with road underdogs, Wyoming and North Texas. What a week zero. Just I, an absolute lavish. That, that, yeah, that, that sounds like a $100 two-game parlay to me. That's what that sounds like. I love just getting off in the weeds, feeling really disgusting after week zero. We don't even need to dive in week one. We're already knee-deep by the time the real football gets there. We're going to go to the penultimate game of the night. It's not the late game by 30 minutes. I believe we have a 9 p.m kickoff here the new mexico state aggies are at home against the nevada wolfpack and is new mexico state plus eight at home i know new mexico state's been a terrible program but eight points at home they've been a little more competitive i've eli johnson went there david johnson's kid i always liked him in the few interactions i had with him he's a nice kid he's not there anymore but i'm gonna go with new mexico state why the hell not we're going plus eight here yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with a, a home bow-wow at night, you know. Um, you know, you, you're at the point right now that you probably lost so much money on North Texas and Wyoming that you're like, oh, screw it. Let's just throw it all in on New Mexico State at home, plus eight. So let's go with New Mexico State to do the home home dog. I don't even know what this is on, but this feels like a late-night CBS sports, like that alternate CBS channel. It feels like it's going to be on that. And then what you just described, 
the most classic version of that is the Hawaii games. And that's actually the late game. So 30 minutes later, if you're really sweating it and you're really down in a hole, there's no NFL football the next day to get you out of it or to at least give you some hope. The man's going to come knocking at your door or texting you. That'd be weird if he came knocking at your door on Monday morning. You're going to leave your fate either in New Mexico or Nevada, or you're going to leave it in Vanderbilt and Hawaii. And what a beautiful start to the college football season that is ultimately going to be. You've got Hawaii. Oh, I forgot Skybox. I already did this. See, I told you I was going to do this year. Skybox is on Nevada. So they are actually, uh, they're fading us there. They're going with the road favorite minus eight Nevada. Um, I don't know. I really don't have much comment on this. I, I know nothing about either team. You could make up any sort of name or any sort of coach involved in this game. Like, yeah, that checks out. So who who is – I mean, didn't Vanderbilt's coach say that they were striving to, to for success or he said, like, had some outrageous quote? I think he was saying something about – I think he got asked a question about, like, his expectations. He was like, we want to be the best program in the SEC, which made a bunch of headlines. But what do you want the guy to say? Do you want the guy to be like, you know, we kind of suck, but if we could get the four wins, that would be sick. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, in, in like what kind of precedent do you set for your team to where, shit, even our coach thinks we suck, you know? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think, you know, there's so there's so many media questions that come out that's just, like, laughable. They're like, why would you ask the, a, a guy that they haven't won an SEC game, like, or how many has they won it? Have they won an SEC play? Like, I don't think they won an SEC game in a couple of years, right? I'm too lazy to look it up, but uh, I can confidently yeah, say it's yeah. not a lot. But, I mean, I'm just imagining asking guy like, yeah, so uh, national championship this year? <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, no, I mean, we just like to, you know, be competitive and, you know, not be, uh, you know, down 24 nothing at halftime and, you know, playing against uh, the other team's second string, you know, in the second half. So, just trying to be competitive. But I read a tweet the other day, and I think Hawaii is like, Four and one in the last fifteen years in the first on the in the first uh, on the first game of the year. So I've always uh, been told to uh, bet Hawaii on the mainland. So uh, I'm going to bet Hawaii on the mainland. Okay. No, no, not, not Hawaii in the mainland. The on uh, on the island. Sorry. Mainland yeah, on the island. We're I, I knew what mainland. you meant. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. the Clark Lee thing, like. You know, it's funny he said that, but, like, if he'd have been, like, actually, we suck and, like, we're cool with, like, four wins, with the way that administration funds football now, they'd be like, that's our coach. That's our coach. He knows that this is important. <laughs> Poor guy. I feel bad for him. Seems like a good dude. Got an uphill battle ahead of him. This is a disgusting line to cap off the weekend. It is Vanderbilt minus eight and a half. And Vanderbilt is more than a touchdown favorite on the road out of the continental United States or the mainland, whatever you want to call it. On an island that's closer to Japan, Vanderbilt is a minus eight and a half point favorite. Just off sheer instinct, yeah, I, I got to take the doors. I, I want to feel disgusting. I'm going to kick myself for it. I don't really care, but woo, buddy, what a line that is. How, how is that possible? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the SEC better. At, I don't know. I love Hawaii. I, 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 I'll, I'll be glad to take the points. Your Hawaii just, money never, line is. Plus 260, by the way, just to add that in there. You can bet against Vanderbilt to lose a game with plus 260 odds. That's another way of looking at it. I mean, I, I mean, you know, like I said, it just uh, – I, I, 
can Vanderbilt beat a team by double digits? I just don't know. I might be completely wrong, and it might be, you know, 28 to 7 at halftime, and I'm like, what am I, What do I know? Well, never forget last year, Vanderbilt was like an 18-point favorite or something against Eastern Tennessee State. They lost the game outright 23-3. to Now, to their credit, yeah. they came back and beat Colorado State on the road the next week. But ETSU beat them in Nashville by three touchdowns in a game that they were like two and a half touchdown underdogs. What's uh what's Skybox got? All right, to finish it all off, the suspense is over with. We have Skybox is going with Hawaii. So they're siding with you. I'm the only one brave enough to take the doors minus eight and a half. You could translate that to I'm the only one stupid enough. So that rounds out the weekend. Skybox is going with the Rainbow Warriors plus eight and a half against the powerhouse that is the Vanderbilt Commodores. I will say, last thing before we get out of here, I read something on the internet today, which means it has to be true, about some nonsense about how Hawaii, for most of their games after this one, is going with an, like an island-only regional TV thing. So a lot of the Hawaii games, unless you pay for some regional subscription out there on the island, you can't watch their games. That that's a crime against humanity. If that's the case, that needs to get fixed like now. Now I don't understand with these TV deals and and you know and exclusivists and everything like that. Did did uh, NBC uh, pay Notre Dame that dollar amount to for, to stay on NBC? I'm sure they did. That's kind of their uh, kind of their golden goose. It, it was something like th- it was something like something like three hundred billion dollars. It was something ridiculous. I don't know. It's some dollar amount, but anyway, I mean, like, I, I get it. That's cool. That you know, you turn on NBC and you always see Notre Dame. But yeah, but I mean, to uh, I mean, to to limit the Hawaii the the, the Hawaiians the Hawaiian citizen to uh, not having having to pay for Hawaii football is is ridiculous. It's un-American, and honestly, it may be genius from the regional TV perspective. Do you know how many drunk dudes across the country? are going to type in the wrong credit card information nine times at midnight trying to subscribe to this obscure service to get that game on because, by God, they'll have to have some eyeballs on it because they put an absurd amount of money on it to get out of a hole. It might work or out for the just, local TV guy, but for the, re- or for the regional TV service, for the rest of us, it sucks. And thoughts and prayers <laughs> to all those guys out there when that first kicks in the first week trying to type your credit card information into your fire stick to get that subscription down that's going to be a real tough battle depending on what you did the rest of the day that would be a good youtube video yeah that would that would be how that would be a good social ex, ex, exercise anyway that's going to do it for uh for week zero we had seven games total none of them required any sort of research this will be the nice tune-up but hope we can get a leg up on skybox before they ultimately decimate us down the stretch um, last thing before we get out of here, you mentioned you're getting out of town to Dallas this weekend, my old neck of the woods. Are you going to buy a horse? Um, maybe. I mean, um, you know, kind of my new goal is, uh, I want to win at Oakland. And, uh, so that's my new thing is I want, you know, cause it's the closest track here. And, um, you know, so, um, we might get in on a little Archie bread. Uh, there's a, a couple of Louisiana breads, but, uh, that I might get in on, but yeah, I'm going to try not to, but. We're, uh, we we got to come up with a couple with a good name. I've uh, come up with a couple good names. I just don't know if they're if they're acceptable or not. So um, so we're, we'll we'll figure out, and we gotta we gotta come up with a good name for, and we gotta find a good horse to, uh, to come up first. Wing source. Actually, out you'll, the you'll laugh. I'm sure they'll come up with a great name. You'll laugh. 
Yeah, you'll laugh at this. I had a, uh, I had a folk, somebody called the other day, uh, you know, LBs, and asked for me, and I, you know, I assume everybody's asking me about meat and question everything, but it was a guy that asked me about 15 horse questions for about 10 minutes. He's like, hell yeah, yeah. we can talk horses. I'm like, so I don't know if I'm the horse line, and you know, so if you need to talk horses, I guess call LBs. He's uh, the Bob Hopper of the I don't know. I love it. No, I'm, uh, I actually like my horses. Ba- uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Baffert just got out of court, so I'm actually let's see. I'm the uh, the Dean Wayne Lucas of uh, of Mississippi. I like that. Hell yeah! Well, good luck if you get a horse. We'll uh, we'll we'll cast it out to the pod to name it. And uh, this has been yeah. We can just call it the Rippy Rights. Uh, yeah, that would really rights. roll off the tongue. The announcers would have a great time with that. They'd be like, "What the hell is this?" Um. Well, you'll uh, you'll laugh. I mean, Meat Sweats uh, ran her uh, ran her second race the other day, so uh, she's How'd that uh, go? she's on the board. She on finished board? second. She actually did pretty good. She did pretty good. Hell yeah, Meat Sweats just dominating yeah. the competition. This is uh... <laughs> yeah the fi- the Philly name Meat Sweats. So we named a girl named Meat Sweats. So that's kind of funny. He is Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. This has been Week Zero. We're diving into another year. I enjoyed it, my friend. We'll catch you next week. As always. All right, that is our show. You made it to the end. I appreciate you making this podcast a part of your day. We really, really appreciate it and uh, always thankful for the uh, feedback. We're going to get to a regular schedule next week. We've got Weldon Rodenberg on Sunday. We're going to do Buchanan in the midweek and then uh, probably some sort of mailbag or something on Friday as it is a Finally, game week coming up. The football season is finally here. Looking forward to that. Certainly excited to get that going and get it back in the swing of things. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday.